0: Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590.
1: Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back or welcome to Gardening Naturally. A little cool today. And tomorrow, for the rest of the week, should be really pretty nice. Um we have a good chance of rain and that is really important we need it so bad be careful though they're actually starting to mention we could have we could have flash flooding so be smart out there in the rain let's go to the phone this is elizabeth elizabeth what can i help you with
2: good morning jeff um I've got a a big, expensive project coming up. I've got um, some new raised beds, and I'm going to need about 10 yards of garden soil and compost. And you may have already answered this, but um, one company has some that's uh, 50% mushroom compost, which may or may not have some cow manure in it and then 25% granite sand and 25% what they call loam um and uh i guess it won't be too sandy but i just wonder if you can offer me some advice on you know getting this right it's uh it's a lot of dirt and i didn't make it myself
1: <laughs> so right. Um, right
2: i'm not sure how to go at it
1: okay <laughs> If you, if you look at soil, soil, soil is generally made up of three big pieces, sand, silt, and clay. Loam, this magical word, is a really good balance, a good balance of those three things. If, in fact, they're loam is good and rich and is not see sometimes people will say loam in reality they should say sandy loam which means it's terrible stuff all right um you can you go and get a handful of this stuff can you pick up a handful and feel it and you know rub it around see what does it actually feel like to you? Because it's really tough when you gotta rely on them to bring you something that you don't get to see first.
2: Oh, I would go, I I would go pick up a handful of it and smell it and, you
1: know. Well, that's gonna tell you the amount of sand they're listing there um, is not Obscene, that's not too much. But their loam is really the question. What is the consistency of their, quote, loam? If it's really sandy and that much sand in it, you're going to have a problem. Number two, that may be a perfect mix, but the very first thing that you need to figure out, if you get this, is when you get it, you need to water it, and you need to see how fast does it drain. Because this could be really good soil, but you're going to have to learn all over again what does it take to water it and get it correctly wet and how fast will it dry out so you know when you need to water again. But this could be great soil. I, I really hope that you get an opportunity to put your hands in it first, to really feel it and see, you know, is this something you're comfortable with before you wind up with 10 yards of it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would go have a look at it first and see what it feels like and, and what it smells like. I just wasn't quite sure about the mix and I thought maybe I should get some extra compost to add to it. Um, and I've, you know, I've got azomite and I've got, molasses, and, you know, I can yeah, add it, a bunch of other stuff
1: to it. But um, you, If it's you're going to spend for that kind of soil, if you're going to buy that much, it'd really be nice if you only needed to buy that, though. You shouldn't have to have a ton of right. different amendments to make it what you want it to be. But right. check it out. That number is not unreasonable. It really isn't. But... You're going to have to completely retrain yourself as to how you'll need to water things so that you don't flood stuff or you water often enough and you don't let things dry out.
2: Right, right. Well, okay, that's really helpful. Thank you, Jeff.
1: You bet. Good luck, Elizabeth.
2: Okay, thank you.
1: Let's go to the phone. This is Kent. Kent, what can I help you with? Okay, can you hear me? Yes, sir? Hello? Yes, sir?
3: Okay, uh, just talking about freeze protection. I've used 40-gallon, uh, 50-gallon plastic barrels. You can put them over relatively large plants, you know, fold up the branches and get them inside there. And then also cattle molasses tubs are very fec- effective uh, for freeze protection if you've got some plants you're trying to save.
1: I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with a... Um, cattle okay. Well, these are the uh,
3: like uh, there are a ten gallon tub, uh, like thirty inches in diameter and about uh, twenty almost two foot tall. Anyway, that's what it's what cattle lick comes in. It's molasses that the cattle lick, and uh, but they make very very good. Uh, well, they make good planters as well. You can drill holes in them. Uh, you can use them for freeze protection. They're just a multi-purpose tool that you can get from just nearly any cattle ranchers, they, they consume a lot of these things. And sometimes you can go to the feed stores and they'll sell them for two or $3 a piece to, as well.
1: Wow, I know what you're talking about now. I have a small, slightly smaller than that one and did exactly what you're talking about. I used it to cover plants and then I realized, wow, this will make a really great growing container. So I used it for that too but I do know what you're, what you're talking about. And, you know, anytime that you can get it for pennies or even free, you know, if you know someone who's a rancher who gets these things, might as well put them to good use.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I have one other thing that's just fantastic. I just learned about this and I've got it going now. A friend of mine uses uh, garage door panels to create raised bed gardens And there are tons of these available if you'll talk to any of these garage door places that replace doors. Uh, So you'll take two long pieces. They can be anywhere from 8 to 20 foot long, and they're about 2 foot tall. And then you cut another pair to make your end piece and make them as wide as you want. A fantastic way to make a raised bed garden. They're typically out of aluminum, maybe even insulated with styrofoam, and they will last forever.
1: That is... That is brilliant. I, I'm looking at getting my garage door replaced, and I've never uh-huh. considered what do they do with the old one. This is brilliant. That will make Yeah, I've stuff. got a place here in
3: Rockdale, and uh, uh, they've got tons of them, and I've got a lot of our master gardeners are grabbing them as well to do things with. You can also use them for other things. You can use them for a lean-to shed. One person is actually making a uh, refrigerator out of it. Um so you can use them for lean tubes, for cattle, windbreaks—multiple uses.
1: Wow, that is the ultimate in recycling, there, Ken. That it, it is. I, you're right. Thank you. That is not something that I ever considered. I just—that was one of those. They replace the panel, and then it goes off into a black hole. Nope. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we can put we can put that to use, and you're right a lunar garage door would last for nearly forever even filled with soil so great idea and also another thing since
3: it's a little bit taller than using two by sixes or whatever for a raised bed you don't bend over very much
1: (laughs) oh a man after my own heart there kent Uh, uh, (laughs) nothing worse than having to work around your ankles and if it was off the ground like that that would be so much easier
3: yeah it'll, it'll take a lot of dirt to fill it up but it works and then use t-post you know cut down t-post to secure yep. it so it doesn't break open and stay solidly on the ground
1: Kent, that's thank you that's been uh that is a really killer hint for folks uh i have to pass that one on um thank you much for the call folks i got a take a quick break here i'll catch you all on the other side
0: this is gardening naturally on news radio klbj with host jeff ferris jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590
1: hey welcome back everybody let's go to the phone this is linda linda what can i help you with
2: Good morning. I just want to let you know that my mother, Monica, I don't think she's ever missed one of your shows. She just loves all the information you give out.
1: Well, oh, thank you.
2: And I have a real quick question. So I made an attempt to start a Texas persimmon tree, and I put about two dozen seeds in starter pots, two-inch starter pots, And right at this moment, I have one survivor. It doesn't have any leaves. It's about two inches tall. I think it's still alive, and I didn't know when to plant it, if it's even worth planting it. It has no leaves. It's just a little two-inch stalk.
1: Um, You won't plant that till it gets to be about 12 inches tall, roughly, and has some leaves on it. And then you can plant it, and my bet is, the weather will be okay for you to do that this spring if it can get that height on you um where did you get the seeds for the persimmons
2: off of our five acres
1: so you're talking about native persimmon plants not the orange japanese fruit persimmon
2: correct the texas persimmon correct
1: got it yeah um They may be a bit tough to start, and you may need some patience here. Uh, You may get some more coming up here. It's just that they're not a quick-germinating seed. Uh, They're better than mountain laurels, but they're not super fast. So just keep them going the way they are and see if you don't get a few more. And like I said, once they get up to, say, a foot tall and actually have leaves, then you could look at planting them. You have land, so I'm assuming you have deer. Yes. You're going to have to protect the plant. If you plant that, <laughs> you're going to have to wrap uh, some kind of fence wire around it because the deer will see it as, Nice fresh candy and chew on it. Uh, you'll need to protect it till it gets a little bit bigger to where it could handle the deer attacking it.
2: Okay, great. Well, it sounds like it'll keep me busy into my retirement. Thank you very much for that information. I appreciate it a
1: lot. Thanks a lot, Linda, and good luck on the plant because uh, the Texas persimmon is a fantastic tree.
2: Uh, it really I is.
1: Get- Love it. Yeah, I hope you get lots of them. Um, Yeah, me too, me too. (laughs) All right, thank you very much. Bye-bye. You bet. Linda's doing something here that any of us can do. If you have native plants around you, go get the seeds. Why not, right? Um, If you can tease the seeds out of the fruit, why not start your own Texas persimmon? They're not rare trees, but they can be kind of hard to come by. And for those of you who are considering doing native Texas plants and starting them by seed, everything from lantana to Desert willows, Texas persimmons, etc. You want to go and look and find Jill Noakes, N O K E S. She has a book, Plants of the Southwest in Texas, and it is a Bible as to how do you propagate native Texas plants the tricks you need, the time it might take, the ones that are easy, the ones that are hard. You can find that book at um, Half Price Books. If you are planting seed, especially natives, you probably should have a copy of this book in your library. It's really great for how to propagate Things that may be already growing in your yard. I'm not trying to undercut the nurseries. You may want a certain plant and like, I'm not going to go to the trouble. I'm just going to go buy one. Okay, that's fine. But if you have an interest in it, if you already have one and simply want more, her book will tell you how to propagate them and get your own Texas persimmon, how to get your own desert willows or oak trees or just a whole host of the Texas environment. All the tricks you will need to know, things that can make it go much faster for you, things you can do to get a seed to germinate faster. Well, worthwhile book. Very, 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 very worthwhile book. Um, the book is How to Grow Native Plants of Texas and the Southwest. And the author is Jill Noakes, N O K E S. Like I said, should be able to find it in pretty much any half price bookstore. Um, and you know, it can be really fun to do this. I mean, it is a, a heritage thing. You know, people will plant a tree for someone in memoria. How much more attachment can you have to it or to that person than starting the plant yourself from seed? So it's worthwhile to do. And as always, as I'm going to try to reference all the time, do it with your kids or your grandkids. Let them see where things come from. So seed planting can really be beneficial. And when we talk seed planting, remember it's not just your vegetables. All the Texas wildflowers, shrubs, trees, vines, all of those can be planted by seed yourself to produce new plants. It can be enjoyable. It's not particularly difficult to do. It doesn't require a great deal. It doesn't require a great deal of effort. It also doesn't require a great deal of cost. I mean, walk through a park and pick up the seeds. That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, I know a lot of people who will go, well, you can go to a nursery and just pluck the seeds off of their plants. Please don't do that. Okay. Unless they hand you the seeds, please don't do that. They invested in those plants. They're keeping their landscape looking great for you as a customer only if they tell you it's okay to do folks this is gardening naturally we're coming to the bottom of the hour i got a break for the news ashley i see you there can you hang on i'll catch you on the other side
0: this is gardening naturally on news radio klbj with host jeff ferris jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590
1: everybody let's go to the phone this is ashley ashley thanks for hanging on what can i help you with
4: hey Josh. thanks for having us our question is we just moved to rockdale and uh, we have some pretty nice looking wild blackberry patches is there a way that we can trellis those to get a better yield or or what is your recommendation on how to grow our patch Upwards, so we can get to it better.
1: Okay, well, the first thing you have to determine is do you actually have blackberries or do you have what's called a trailing dewberry? And the difference is blackberries will grow upright, but dewberries tend to be kind of a vine that lays across the ground.
4: Okay. I mean they I I think that they're blackberries. Um, but okay. my husband maybe thinks that they're more dewberries. So, I guess we need to do some some research on that, and figure out right better.
1: Now, now an easy thing you can do is find this patch and pick like the the whitest part of it and you can put a T-post in each end of it. One that's pretty solid in the ground. Then you can take fencing wire and you can run it back and forth between those two T-posts. Maybe one run, then another a foot taller, and another a foot taller. And you can trace the blackberries over these wire runs. You can help encourage them to grow in there. That will hold them off the ground and that can increase the yield of the plant.
4: Okay, excellent, thank you. And then I have another question. I heard that in the sandy soil out here, we could possibly grow blueberries. Is there a variety that you would recommend?
1: It's not the type of soil, it's the pH of the soil. So get your soil tested and see what its default pH is. To do blueberries in the ground, the pH has to be less than five. That's pretty acidic ground. Wow. Now you can do blueberries in Texas. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a guide on doing blueberries in a container. His name is uh, Jim Kamas, K A M A S, K A M A S, and he has a guide called Blueberries in Texas, and he tells you how to grow them in a container, and it can be very successful and easy to do but if your soil isn't super super acidic at a five or less um, it would be better to do them in the container
4: okay wonderful thank you Jeff. i appreciate it
1: you bet thanks for the call ashley folks you can do blueberries here it depends on two things where you're at in terms of your soil acidity or whether or not you can do them in containers. It's so much easier to control an acidic soil or make a soil acidic when you are growing in a container. Let's go to the phone. This is Rio. Rio, what can I help you with? Hi, I have a question. I have just raw soil in my front yard. I relandscaped it with a bobcat and got rid of all of the weeds and the old grass. My goal is to put down a buffalo grass sod when it gets a little bit warmer. I also want blue bonnets there. Can I sow the blue bonnet seeds now and cover with a little bit of soil and then in about a month or two lay buffalo grass sod on top? Will those blue bonnets come through? Or should I just nope. wait and then put the seeds on top of the sod, but will that be too late? I'm not really sure how to. if that's possible. You can't put seed down and then put sod grass on top of it. Okay. It won't come up. You won't get blue bonnets. Can you put the buffalo sod down and then sprinkle blue bonnets? Maybe. Here's the problem. Buffalo grass, by default, is taller like eight inches and that means it's going to block out the sun so you may not get a good germination out of your blue bonnet seeds so maybe you can make an area like a bed just for blue bonnets and use the sod everywhere else if you want that kind of performance is it too it- late to plant? No. Is it too late to plant blueberry or blackberries? Sorry. Been on fruits here. Blue bonnets. You want to put blue bonnet seeds down. Is it too late? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. You may get them to produce the rosette, but they may not bloom. If they even okay. come up for you, try again. July or August, of putting down seeds. And then if I put seeds in the soil, is there a, something I can put on top of that soil in the interim time until the blue bonnets come through, so
3: it's not just, just raw
1: soil? Um, well, anything you plant will shade out the, the blue bonnet seeds. Okay, so, so it should just be a dedicated want- area for just the blue bonnets not necessarily dedicated you just want the blue bonnets to get started the first time once they do you you let them bloom you let them reseed on their own you'll always get blue bonnets but you can fill it with other plants after you get the blue bonnets really established okay and you think the best time to do that would just be wait until june
3: or july and then sow those seeds
1: yeah, if you look at a bluebonnet field, it blooms, and around the end of July, all of the blooms are gone. That's when the plant itself is dropping seeds. So okay. nature drops the seeds sometime in that time frame, July, maybe the first of August. If you have seeds, that would be the time that you want to spread them out. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for the call. Let's go to the phone. This is Joe. Joe, what can I help you with? Hello? Hello? Uh, Hello? Hello, Joe. Can you hear me? I can barely hear you. What can I help you with? Last spring, I planted chard. It did very well. Then when that hot summer came, it stopped growing and producing. But the leaves, I mean, the plants were alive. I kept them watered over the summer. And in the, this fall, they started growing and producing like crazy again. Now that the freeze has hit, they've all apparently died. But I'm wondering if the roots are still good and if they will reproduce. They may. It depends on if the roots themselves froze. Chard is really super tough plant. And it can grow several years in a row before it gives up. So have some faith in it. And maybe, you know, keep watering, etc. But as it starts to warm up, you might get to see it put on new leaves it does very very well here year after year so have some patience first to see as we get out of these freezes if it'll start coming back if it doesn't you can always get new charred or plant new seeds but it's not unusual for it to last through a summer too if you can keep it watered it won't look great may not make lots and lots of leaves but it will uh, it will get through a summer for you and then really burst like you saw again in the fall. Have some faith in what you have and and don't give up on it yet. Give it a, oh, maybe another month to see if you get it to come up again. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Joe. Folks, I have to take another break. Uh, Lee, I see you there if you hang on. I'll catch you on the other side.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's uh, go to the phone. This is Lee. Lee, what can I help you with? Yeah. I've got a backyard that's got St. Augustine in it and it's full sun
3: and I've got three dogs that just, you know, run around and make it like a racetrack and and beat it to death. And last spring, it was just down to just pretty much dirt. So I put down five pallets of St. Augustine in about July or June. It did pretty well and then when it starts going dormant, they've got it beat down to just dirt again. So I'm going to have to do another five pallets the spring, but I was wondering is St. Augustine the best thing? It'll stand up to that high traffic in full sun, or is a different type of grass better than St. Augustine?
1: Bermuda will stand up to hot sun and the traffic. Now, depending on how big the dogs are and how hard they're running, that doesn't mean that it won't suffer some damage, but it's more likely to come back and uh, set a good deep route. St. Augustine is not a fan of full sun, nor is it a fan of heavy traffic. Bermuda is what we do okay. on baseball fields, golf courses, things like that. So
3: there's any certain type of Bermuda or just Bermuda?
1: You know, if you're gonna do SOD, go to your sod store and let them tell you the differences because we have so many different kinds of Bermuda nowadays that you want to get the one that's like, Hey, it's going to be full sun and I got two big dogs running on it. And they'll talk to you about which can handle the traffic success.
3: Okay. And, um, would you recommend sit this down to just dirt? Um, like putting down topsoil and then put it on
1: top of that or just throw it inside down? Uh, We really don't have topsoil available to us around here. And the problem with topsoil is it could be full of weed seeds because it's just the scraping of the soil. Try to find yourself a good quality compost. You can get that in bulk and you want about a, half-inch thick layer on top of the bare dirt before you put the sod on top of it.
3: So compost, okay.
1: Compost, not All right. topsoil.
3: Okay, gotcha. Alright, that helps a lot. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for the call, Lee. Let's go. This is Ginger. Ginger, what can I help you with? Hi, uh,
4: Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I just had another suggestion for a plant-covered plant covered that also involves recycling. I have picked up at garage sales old um, mat- quilted mattress covers. And as long as one side of the cover is cotton that can go against the plants, it makes darn good insulation.
1: <laughs> um, you're right. That will work just fine if you can get it covered. The only problem is you want to be careful, Ginger, because sometimes... These old quilts may be heavy, and if you put them on the plants, you don't want them to bend or break the plants. but you're absolutely right. This would be a cover to help keep the plants warm during the worst of the weather.
4: Yeah, I've and been able to find ones that, where the quilting inside is synthetic, so it doesn't contribute a lot of weight to it.
1: Ah, got it, got it. Well, that's another one that will help keep everybody, you know give people options on how to try to keep things surviving this terrible freezes we've been getting. And uh, that is, like you said, it's a good way to recycle. Ginger, I think we lost you. Let's go to uh, let's go to the phone. This is Andy. Andy, what can I help you with? Oh, Andy, we lost you sorry. Um, some really good ideas from the callers today, the garage door trick, finding, go to a garage store place and ask them if they have any leftover door panels. They're eight feet long. That's the width of a small garage. Um, and you can Debate with them how much they may charge you for one, but uh, you can take these panels and use those as the siding for a garden bed. You can paint them. They're generally aluminum, meaning they'll handle the cold, the soil, the rain. Those kind of things aren't going to bother them and you can put them up together to hold them up. You've got a two-foot, generally a two-foot-tall panel. That means you don't have to bend over so far to get to your plants. You have to fill that with a lot of dirt, but uh, that's one way to get a garden that will last a long time. Let's go back to the phone. This is Kent. Hey, Kent, what's up? Hey, I one other thing.
3: I'll send you some photos of this uh, lady's garden with those panels in it. But also, as far as another method for protecting plants is wooden pallets, which are available nearly for free anywhere you'll find them. And there's also plastic pallets. Put four of them around a the plant and then cover it with a tarp. This is if you got some really big plants. So, you know, make it as big as you want. But uh, another idea.
1: That is a good one, Kent. I Normally we would use them to make com- uh, compost piles, but the idea of making them protective structures would, uh, yeah, that would be a way to keep a taller plant better protected from these kind of freezes. And you're right, it's surprising how easy it is to pick up a pallet for free. So. right. And that the other, is, that, other nice thing
3: about it is then, the, then none of the plant is actually touching the pallet, so you won't get anything like that. But, you know, just a cheap tarp over that or even a blanket. Well, I'd, look, I'd rather use a tarp because then the plastic won't touch anything.
1: Right. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Uh, we usually look at pallets to be able to make piles of material decompose rather than keep it from freezing another good idea Kent. thank you for the call okay bye-bye uh, let's go to the phone we're running out of time this is jamie jamie what can i help you with
4: hi i have a question i have st augustine grass and just most of my lawn looks pretty okay um for for being the winter and then after this terrible summer but i have an area that is just dirt because i misunderstood my neighbor she said You know, dig up the grass and then something because we had, like, a fungal situation going on. The fungal situation has been taken care of, but I have just this large area of just dirt. And I need to get the St. Augustine to spread over there again. And I I know it's not going to happen overnight, but I was wondering if I could get some tips on
3: what to do.
1: Okay. You can, if you have good places of lawn... Go out there with a shovel and cut little four inch squares and lift up the turf from your good places of lawn and transplant it to the bad places. The hole you cut will fill in. The turf you put in the dirt will start to spread out. You can also go various places and buy patches of sod by the piece. You do not have to get a whole new palette of sod and you might take a couple of pieces of sod and cut them into pieces to spread them out in the bare spot and let them start filling in you want to oh, do uh- that you can hang on another maybe month before you really need to worry about it thank you for the call folks i will talk to you all tomorrow at 8 a.m